Hey y'all, you're listening to episode 8 of the One Chit Wonder Board Gaming Podcast. Today, we are giving our first impressions of Stars of Akarios, and we're going to have a little short topic discussion about accessibility in board games and why it's important to us. Mm-hmm. So, Stars of Akarios, we had originally alluded to having me, you, and Chris all play our game solo yep. and then get together to review it as Two like of those three things are true at the yeah moment. like chris totally let us down because well, he's had he, the he game set, for he like, set it up last night he told oh us. wow so then that was about it big time yeah he's had the game for yeah. all of two days now and hasn't even played it yet <laughs> what a filthy casual yeah but don't worry johnny and i we both at least made it through the prologue Uh so we do have to preface that this is going to be very strictly a first impressions Mm -hmm. focusing mostly on mechanics uh try to keep it spoiler free yep well definitely spoiler free because there's really not a whole lot that has happened yeah but uh within the prologue we got to explore the three major aspects of the game so I think that we are in a good position to be able to talk a little bit about it, mostly because I think that with the game being so new and also so expensive, it's a good chance for people who are listening that are thinking about this game. Maybe it'll help you, you know, form a conclusion on whether this game is right for you or not. Right. And then uh, the designers in the forums have said they're looking at doing a second Kickstarter at some point. Oh, that would but be cool. They, they have it in production copies right now for you to buy. But so maybe if you listen to this, you might tell you, hey, you want one now or maybe you can wait a little bit. Yeah. So Stars of Akarios is designed by Brendan McCaskill and produced or published by Oom Games. It's going to be so hard to describe this game in a concise format because, honestly, it feels like the love child of Gloomhaven and Seventh Continent. Right. So the best I can describe this is it is a one-to-four player cooperative game where you take control of one of the pilots and you command a ship and you basically follow a narrative campaign of missions that have a combination of space exploration, ground exploration, and space combat. The prologue that we've played so far, those are the real three big things, you know? Space combat being focused on dice placement, and also it's a very tactical uh, position-based combat game against an AI deck. This is the part that is going to be the most similar to Gloomhaven. Mm -hmm. And then the space exploration, which is actually the most simple part, but they kind of piggyback off the ground exploration, which actually has a surprising amount of depth. And that is going to be very similar to Seventh Continent. It's The game is honestly just too big to be able to describe yeah. something that gives you an idea. But Johnny and I are going to do our best to break down what it feels like to play the different phases of the game and how it comes together. So the first thing we're going to talk about is going to be what I think is the meat and potatoes of this game, which is space combat. Yep. So this is where the game gets the most comparisons to Gloomhaven. And you're going to hear me compare this to Gloomhaven a lot. Especially, we do a lot of that. We oh, do yeah. a lot of that Everything today. we talk about, we compare to yeah. Gloomhaven. It's the best game of all time on BGG. Yeah, and I'm, I'm really hoping something will dethrone it someday. But with the space combat portion of Stars of Akarios... We're going to go into why it's similar, and especially with the topic of accessibility in games, we're going to talk a lot about why we think that certain parts of Stars 
is superior to Gloomhaven and why and where certain areas it may fall short. So to set up space combat in Stars of Icarios is very similar to most dungeon crawler type games. You know, you'll open your scenario book, you'll read a passage, you know, kind of set the stage for what's going to happen. And you're going to set up the board and you're just going to go on with combat. The way combat works in this game is it's going to be played into uh, multiple phases within a single round, starting with the player phase, then the AI phase, and then you'll resolve the any end of round effects, any special triggers, and then you just repeat the cycle. During the player phase, you actually will have a certain number of dice. If you're playing in a solo game, you'll have five, and if you're playing in a multiplayer game each pilot will have four dice and you'll roll this dice and assign them to certain actions each of your player board has a set of basic actions that are pretty straightforward move turn shoot and then you'll also have two special weapons and two special engines that'll grant you more unique and also more powerful movements and attacks while you're playing the space combat portion of the game you're gonna come up with you know, you'll fulfill achievements and you'll complete missions and you'll gain upgrades in the form of technology upgrades. You'll gain passive pilot upgrades as your pilot gets more skilled and your ship will also get more upgrades that will give it more passive abilities that will let it kind of give it a slightly asymmetrical feel versus another pilot and ship combination. Actually, one of the most underrated parts that we, or at least I haven't personally experienced yet, mm-hmm. because we're I'm still in the just behind me, yeah. finishing the prologue, but the fact that they mix in a little bit of asymmetry by letting you pick the pilot you want and the ship you want, mm-hmm. kind of makes it kind of cool because yeah. they could have easily just, hey, this is your guy, this is the ship that you have, and they simplify yeah. it all. But and now the, we have a little bit of variability. And the starter ships that you start with, um, they have four different classes, I think. Uh, so. The ships um, limit what kind of upgrades you get, so that further enhances that asymmetry Ooh. a little bit. Yeah, so good point. So when you're upgrading, you might it, you're not gonna have a whole set of upgrades that you can pick. Some of them are the basic upgrades, which applies to all ships, and there are some upgrades that are can only be you know assigned to a, a ship that has scouting and research abilities or heavy assault abilities, like things like that. Yeah. So you've you're a little bit further ahead of me uh-huh. in the campaign. Uh, why don't you start off and talk a little bit about some of the things that you like about the space combat, and then I'll see if I can pop in and fill in some of the yeah. blanks. So uh, I've played Gloomhaven pretty extensively already. I, I did one campaign almost 30, 40 missions in, and then we were about 75% done with our second campaign before um, life and COVID and all that stuff got in the way, and we just kind of fell off of it. So comparing combat... Uh, this game makes me feel almost exactly the same as when I played Gloomhaven with the combat. Positioning, setting up attacks based on what they do. Um, and this game, the wrinkle it adds is with the ship's rotation because when the ships have to point at the enemies and have, be in a certain range for, for their different attacks to, to, to go off. So I think that makes it um, a lot more tactical. And I enjoy that a lot because I love tactical games as well. So take, in combat, you know, setting up positioning for advantage or disadvantage positions, you're always considering some of those things, especially because you go before the enemies do. You may set up for a good attack, but what if you're going to set up for yourself to be flanked by three enemies? Because you're probably not going to do too pretty, pretty well after that. Yeah, I, I thought that the positioning was so fun mm-hmm. because the silliest part is like, so rotation is a basic action, but you can only do it once mm-hmm. per turn unless you have an additional card that lets you rotate. 
which means that the positioning that you're taking is limited. Every rotation action lets you rotate about uh, what? Um, 120 degrees. 120 honest. degrees, that's right. Based yeah. on a hex. So you can even do a full 180 to turn around and shoot someone who's behind you, mm -hmm. which leads to some really interesting and honestly a lot of clever like mobility type plays it, because a combination of your loadout for the engine that you yeah. picked plus the basic movements, you can actually have a lot of opportunity to make some really clever plays that positions you to either avoid an enemy attack or be in a position to strike from behind which gives you an advantage yeah it gives me tactical games some of them you know because i grew up playing a lot of like japanese rpgs and then also rts games like starcraft this game makes me feel more like a tactical rts game because we're moving constantly and things are just constantly shifting versus in a tactical pure tactical game you can kind of plan a few more turns ahead this game like things because the enemies will change their their actions and they're unpredictable as well so you're constantly adjusting your movements and trying to figure out the best position, which sometimes isn't optimal for attacking, but might be more defensive. And I just enjoy that constant change. And the turns go so fast, too. Yeah, that's one of the biggest benefits. Um, the that player turns in Stars of Akarios, you kind of wish they were longer. Because mm -hmm. once you take once you use your four or five dice, you're just like, I need to do more. And you just can't wait till your next turn so you could complete like and your mission even in multiplayer the turns are simultaneous so you you and your partners and your group will be taking turns at the same time there's certain rules for priority targeting and things like that but the turns go so much faster because you don't have to deal with you go enemies go and then you go again and then so that the, the turn the simultaneous turns fixes some of the problems i had initially with gloomhaven with, with how combat drags yeah, a little bit the initiative system mm -hmm. one of the things that i really liked i don't know if you noticed it during your plays mm -hmm is I like that it's a dice placement type game, but when you actually resolve the combat, there's no dice required yes. anymore. Yeah. Just like Gloomhaven, you flip over a modifier card, two if you have an advantage, and you pick the best or the worst one depending on the situation you're in. Combat resolution is so quick. It's mm -hmm. set numbers. There's a, no variability. It's Well, that's not true. The modifiers will give you some variability on what you can do. Yeah. But you know what's in that deck. You kind of have an idea of how much damage you'll be able to do at any given time. It's just enough randomness for it to be exciting. Yeah. But not so much where you're just like, I can't get anything done. And it comes in kind of like ebb and flow mm -hmm. of success and failure. Yeah. Because in my plays, I had turns where I was just like, I was drawn so hot. I was just blowing up ships left yeah. and right. And then the last mission, the last space mission of the prologue, I was, I got out on the skin of my teeth. See, it was, was like, so That was like tense. the opposite of me. The first two games I played, I was barely surviving. I was like, is this game supposed to be this hard on standard difficulty? <laughs> but I was drawing misses, minus ones on all my attacks. And then, you know, new to the game, I didn't position the best either, going a little faster. Yeah. But then as I got better at positioning, it got, you know, a little bit easier at the end for me. That tells me you either shuffled too good or not good enough. Yeah. So it's a lot of averages. I don't know. But I really, really like the combat in this game. Mm -hmm. Every turn just felt like like the decision space isn't huge. Not the deepest. Yeah. You know, but, you know, it's not a heavy, heavy tackle like skirmish game or anything like that. Yeah, but it all felt important. You know, it's like the opportunities that the game gave me to make cool plays mm -hmm. was so satisfying. Yeah. You know? And it's it's kind of like a mixed bag for me sometimes when I think about this. Because the game, I like to call it 
a streamlined Gloomhaven. I honestly feel like the combat is about maybe 30 to 40% of the of the weight weight of Gloomhaven's yeah. combat, mm -hmm. but you're getting almost 80%, 90% of the fun. And it's a nice balance for me because I've always asked, I was like, mm -hmm. why isn't there a lighter Gloomhaven with the same card play combat system? Yeah. I would love a game like that that simplified the setup, simplified the resolution, the targeting, the movement. Yeah. And I think Stars of Akarios does that really well. Yeah, so setup we didn't really touch on too much. But I, you know, when I first set up the game, it took me a long time because I didn't have stored components, reading the rules as I went. Nowadays, when I do, I'm probably done seven or eight space combats now, I think. Maybe seven or six, maybe at the, on the low end. But I can set up a whole scenario from scratch in about six or seven minutes. Oh, tops. yeah. Setup like, is so much quicker. Is so much, that, that makes the accessibility in this game amazing for me. Mm -hmm. Especially as a campaign game, because when you play a heavy campaign game, you you look at those big box on the shelves. You're like, I want to play. It. I know it's a good game. You're like, it's gonna take me thirty minutes to set it up, and then if I haven't played in a week, I gotta review some stuff, and then next thing you know, you spent almost four or five minutes not playing the game. We're gonna come back to this accessibility discussion at the end of the show, where we always do our short topic discussions. Stop Johnny, stop the setup. No, I, I'm just messing with you. <laughs> I I agree. Like the amount that they cut out. From what I thought was excessive about Gloomhaven. I don't miss it at all. I don't miss it at all. It it gives me as much fun as Gloomhaven mm -hmm. did with a lot less work. But there is a caveat to that yeah. because the game lets you equip two weapons and two engines. Two and tech. this two tech, one pilot ability, and one, and one ship ability. Those are great. But when you're talking about diversity of actions, and especially for people who love tactical skirmish games, you other than your basic actions, you literally have two weapons and two engines, which is movement. Mm -hmm. So I haven't quite felt the fatigue set in of using the same two weapons yeah. because honestly, I'm just in the prologue and it's still very new. Mm -hmm. But I could see that after... 20 30 space Various, missions yeah. if you're not upgrading yeah at a good rate. you'll get an upgrade yeah but it's just one of the two options that you have so i do miss the the vast variety of uh -huh. card play from yeah. gloomhaven that lets you do a lot right. of fun different things yeah. but that's the price you pay for having a more streamlined product which mm -hmm. for the time being it's a happy concession but as we get maybe into double-digit plays in the 20s or 30s, mm -hmm. we're probably going to report back and see if our feelings have changed about that. I think the fatigue might hit you faster because you like to main one ship, one character. The game does offer you the ability to have two ships to a pilot. So changing hey. ships means different upgrade sets. So you, the fly's completely different. And I've gotten to that point where I'm on my second ship, and it's completely changed. Spoilers, dog. I'm just telling you, this, how, <laughs> this is all prologue. Yeah, but... I can see where you're coming from. I think that's where they had to kind of address the variety if you get tired of a certain combat system. Because, you know, in Gloomhaven, you would finish, you know, your character, they level out, and then they retire, and then you get new character to play mm -hmm. with that is kind of similar vein to whatever you unlocked, you know, like an upgraded scoundrel or something like that. So this, I think that's their way of working around it and giving you a lot more variety with the different ships and pilots, combinations. Yeah, we're definitely going to have to put a put a pin on that and come back to it as we get more plays which we do we always do we always do so the other thing that i really enjoyed about the space combat part 
is actually how easy it was to manage the enemy AI. Mm -hmm. So one of the biggest issues that I had with Gloomhaven was you honestly needed the app to streamline the management of the AI as much as possible. Yeah. Or a big and, group that can man one, or person, a big group. one person mans it. Yeah. That's what I've done in the big groups. And I can't fault Gloomhaven for this since it was the first of its kind. But now you kind of see the evolution in the mechanics and how Stars of Akarios manages enemy AI. And it's just, it's awesome. <laughs> because every enemy class has its own deck. And on the back of the deck is a number that tells you the resolution order for that class of bad guy. Mm -hmm. And then each bad guy has its own number labeled on the standee or the mini, the mini base. Yep. And you resolve those in ascending order starting with elites. So literally at the start of the enemy AI turn, which so far I've only seen at most three different uh, enemy right, types. Yeah. So you just you shuffle out the decks, set them up at the start of the scenario. And during the enemy activation phase, you flip over the three and resolve them. And at first, the command line for for the enemy AI was a little confusing. Yeah. But after about two space combats, I I love it. I the yeah. the enemy AI deck basically consists of a series of icons that are almost identical to your player actions themselves. Mm -hmm. Basically mirrors your your, yeah. your pilot skills. It even says in the rule book. Oh yeah, it's so ships. great. Yeah. So it's like it's like you already are familiar with how you can move, how you rotate, and how you attack. Now you just apply the same concepts to the enemies, and it's just it almost is just like automatic now. Even after just finishing the prologue, mm -hmm. the AI like the first game I played, I was texting Johnny. I was like, "Hey, what happens here? What happens here?" But now after what three space combat, four space combat mm -hmm. missions. I don't even think twice about it. It's so fast. Yeah. And all the numbers, all the enemies share the same modifier deck. So anytime something attacks you, you just flip over the modifier deck, add it to its uh, default attack value. So easy. So streamlined. I love it. I mm -hmm. would welcome this AI system in more dungeon crawlers if it's possible. Oh, yeah. That'd be, be great. It's just a monster priority. You know, obviously, we played Descent re recently where the app handles all that. All that. But if we don't have an app-based game like that and you're just doing more of an analog experience, which this one just makes it feel almost seamless. Yeah, it's a huge testament to how uh, Brendan McCaskill took Gloomhaven's AI system, streamlined it, but still created a way for the AI to behave in relatively mm -hmm. realistic and also very dangerous ways yeah. because... When, when I played the first two space combat scenarios, I thought it was too easy. I was like, this ship is just flying aimlessly. I even said to Johnny, I was like, man, I'm just crushing it. Like, these guys are, these guys are a joke. <laughs> yeah, I was worried. He's like, oh, this game's too easy. <laughs> Let astray. And then the game just really takes it to you. And then yeah. the ships start doing some really interesting stuff. I've hit a scenario where there's more than two ship, two or three ships that you see in the early ones. And managing that still wasn't a problem at all. Like, just chain of six different ships, no problem. Awesome. Yeah. Love to hear that. And then the last part of combat is, you know, the game has a mechanic that I don't see in Gloomhaven. They call it stress. And basically, stress is one of the sides of your dice that functions as a wild. You can choose whether or not you want to use it, but every time you use it, you'll add stress to your pilot, which makes sense. You know, you're pushing the limits of what you're trying to do in space combat. 
But at a certain threshold, which I believe are three and five, when you reach those, two automatic misses are shuffled into your deck, one at each threshold. And when you reach a threshold of seven or and or ten. It's three, seven, ten, I think. Three, seven, ten? Yeah, there's three tiers. No, there's four. There's two stress misses and two traumas. No, I may remember wrong. Either way, yeah. you guys get the idea. Right. But if you get the two uh, misses shuffled into your deck, and then now you go to your third tier, you get a trauma, which is an instant effect that something happens to you in space that could really hurt you. Mm -hmm. Like, the effects are dramatic. It it's could be... Too. Yeah. Lose all your shields, or um, you can't use a move action next action phase, or all these things. And I thought this was really, really cool mm -hmm. because... It's it, thematic, too. Yeah, it mixed in just a little bit of variability yeah. you kind of want to push your luck a little bit you know you need to do something and you're just like i really need to kill this ship this turn mm -hmm. but if i take this stress i'm gonna get a trauma what's gonna happen yeah and that little bit of push your luck plus a little bit of randomness reminds yeah. me of when i got um branch and claw for spirit island because uh -huh. spirit island was so mechanically like linear yeah like it was just too much open information yeah and the this is the equivalent of the event deck it just throws and in a little a bit. Good event deck. I do, but the thing is, is like I can never feel bad about drawing a bad trauma, because I took the stress. Right. I willingly pushed my pilot to the limit to do something that was satisfying now, but I'll pay the prices yep. like the price later. Player agency. Love that. I I I don't think that there's a mechanic in Gloomhaven similar to that. Mm -hmm. The closest thing I can think of is. Um, when you rest in or heal, yeah, you'll lose a card from your hand, and that basically is like gating you a little bit. Mm -hmm. But this one just feels so much more satisfying to do because I know I don't have to do it, but I still do it yeah. all the time. Yeah, because also stress lets you, I don't know if I mentioned it, maybe I missed it. The stress lets you reroll your dice too. Mm -hmm. So just resetting your dice from a bad roll, you're like, I need to do this, but I might have to be less efficient mm -hmm. down the line. You can also take stress to stop your movement early. Those are really cool. Yep. You can, that's how you set up some really cool combinations. Yeah. So I love that part of the game. One of the things about the movement in this game is you have to execute it to its maximum possible amount right and if you you know collide into an object that prevents you from going further so be it but sometimes you won't, don't want to fly past your target so you can take a stress to stop and be able to position yourself more uh, advantageously to attack an enemy this causes you stress it doesn't seem like much but as i got to the later space combats in the yeah. prologue I was taking stress left and right. Yeah, it was. I, I the first two scenarios, I was like, stress is stupid. Never had to use it right. at all. Receptors, I'm not gonna. Do oh it. Yeah. yeah, now I'm using it all the time. Yeah. It's just like I need to stop here. I need to kill this guy. I need to do this, and it's just, do I really want to take? You feel the like a like a pilot, like a like a Maverick Top Gun mm -hmm. guy, you're doing stuff like that. So going on the movement a little bit, like how did you feel about the spatial aspect of movement? I know it threw me for a big loop in the beginning, and I'm decent with spatial games, and you're less inclined. For I'm terrible at spatial games. Because I would okay. like look at it, and I would take the the card, and I would turn it to match my orientation in space. Now that I've played enough, I like I just know I it's more. I just look at the ship, what points forward, does it move me left or right, and I figure it out from there. But it was a little bit tricky in the beginning, and I thought that would be something that could be a long term problem for me, but I got past it. Same for me. When I first started trying to see where I was moving, how I would turn after the move, or even where my firing arc was, mm -hmm. 
it was so confusing at first because on the board, everything is just black. You're in space. You're in space. Yeah. And all you have to judge off of is where your ship is, and you're just counting hexes. Where and the, it's so easy yeah, to get lost. Yeah, what direction pointing, yeah. And that's, I thought that was, the more I played, the more thematic I felt. Because, like, when you're in space, you're not, it's not a linear track where you move left to right. You know, mm-hmm. you're, there's, it's all, um, just the whole sphere of movement. Just the, that, it, that rotation adds a lot to your, your combat decisions and everything from that, from your, your movements. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's hard to describe, but... I've never played a game that had this much tactical feel to it mm-hmm. other than like a tabletop war game like Legion yeah. or not. I didn't play Warhammer, but, you know, those are the only games that I've seen that are more tactical feeling and skirmishy feeling than this game. Mm. I know? don't play many skirmish games, so I don't know. Yeah, I honestly think it's probably a little bit more tactical than Gloomhaven because you have to worry about your firing arc, True. you know. Gloomhaven, yeah, Gloomhaven had a lot of positioning, like mm-hmm. things to consider where you were, where the enemy would end up being. Yeah, um, one of the things that I really liked about this combat versus Gloomhaven's combat is a lot of the times when I was playing Gloomhaven, I spent more time mathing out probable situations oh, yeah. that the enemy AI would take. Right, it's like I know what they're gonna try to do. I know what this enemy does. But it's just like, I just was always thinking about, okay, well, they might stun me. They'll push me into this spiky trap or whatever. That kind of got removed with um, Stars of Akarios. And as of right now, I look at that as an advantage because it removes a lot of overhead and a lot of the AP prone tendencies that people could have trying to figure stuff out. But the consequence of that is... The enemy AI is kind of unpredictable, you know? Mm-hmm. Even if you look through all the cards in the deck, before you, you don't know it. what's going to come out. Yeah. One turn, they might fly straight into you and blast you in the face. Another turn, they'll fly past you, turn around and shoot you in the back. And that kind of randomness makes space combat a lot more chaotic. But it's also kind of on brand because of the way the AI is portrayed in this game. Mm-hmm. It's Or not the AI, the uh, enemies that you're fighting are portrayed in this game. Yeah. You really don't know what they're doing because you you can't think like they do. Yeah, they so, feel like their own <clears throat> pilots doing their own thing. Yeah. So for the time being, I give the space combat portion of this game A+. Mm-hmm. So simple, so fun. The AI reacts in the command line. It just performs in a way that they are always a threat there's a couple turns where they'll fly into a position and miss a shot mm-hmm. those feel great and then there's times where they fly into a position shoot you from the back and hit you for almost half of your health also feels great because it's kind of cool to see the ai yeah. act really out successfully it. yeah the game was very tense you know mm-hmm. when i got to the last space mission that i completed yeah i made it out by the skin of my teeth and honestly I probably got really lucky because I remember there was one enemy ship attack that would have ended the scenario for me in a failure, but I just happened to be in the exact place that it missed, that it was not in its firing arc. And it felt so great to just be like, I made it. Thank you. Yeah, there's one game like that for me too, where it's like I either had to take out the last enemy ship or it would take me out. And And it had max damage just to take it out. So it was like the perfect draw and like it 
that's one of those memorable like yeah you just like fist pump when you when you finish that mm-hmm. scenario and i love that when a game gives me that feeling yeah feels good like i have not had a feels bad moment in this game yet even when the enemy was drawing hot and just blowing my hole apart still didn't feel bad mm-hmm. because the game gives you all these tools to deal with it yeah and it's just it's like you'll find a way it's it's great mm-hmm. space combat has been great mm-hmm. so the next part of stars of Icarios, which i'm actually going to kind of lump together a little bit yeah they're similar is, yeah it's going to be space exploration and ground exploration which will probably be most akin to playing seventh continent mm-hmm. so the way that exploration works i'm going to start off with space exploration because it's the simpler of the two space exploration super straightforward the ship that you have has a certain number of action points which they call supply each time you move dock scout etc on the space map you spend a supply so you're really just kind of evaluating how far you can go and the only thing that the supply serves to do at least that i've seen so far is when you dock you'll have to pay money to basically refuel your ship Mm -hmm. and it's just kind of like another thing to maintain I haven't seen anything exciting about space exploration yet. Honestly, it kind of feels like a tacked-on thematic element of how your ship is going from one sector or one galaxy to another. I think the main thing with the space exploration, from what I've seen with the mechanics, is that it's there to just progress the story. It's kind of like the lull between missions. Agreed. So you're just it helps you uncover new side missions. That's one. That, that's the main purpose. Either you continue trying to find your way to the to stay on track on the main quest or you can find side quests so it just gives that kind of open world feel and that's that's what space exploration should feel yeah like. i mean it's it, not anything super you know mechanically uh, brain burning or anything like that it's just there to help move along the narrative and give you a little bit of direction yeah sometimes i feel like well they could have just cut this off out of the game and just said like oh you made it to another galaxy it's like but, a more in-depth road event for uh for gloomhaven how i describe it Hey, you know what? That's an awesome comparison. I didn't yeah. think about that. Yes, Johnny is spot on. It is just like the road. You go from place to place. Little random things will pop up that will help you or hurt you. Mm-hmm. And it just adds a little bit more thematic flair of creating the idea that you are exploring a galaxy. Yeah. Which is cool. I guess I can appreciate that. I never really made mm-hmm. that connection. Yeah. But mechanically speaking... Not a whole lot going on. It doesn't last very on. long, though, because like, you, you only have, in a solo game, five supplies, so you can make five movements. So you mm-hmm. can explore five sectors, and you might spend extra supplies doing certain things along the way. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. But who knows? Maybe as we play more, we'll get into some yeah. space exploration stuff. That, There's a bunch of galaxies in that box that we haven't touched yet. Yeah, we. I mean, who knows? We could be flying around, find like some weird abandoned space station. It's like, do you want to go in? And it puts you on a side mission. Yeah. That'd be cool. Yeah. Kind of like just moving through the overworld map of a RPG. Mm -hmm. But ground exploration. This part, much more Mm in-depth. Not nearly to the level of Seventh Continent. Which is what I wanted. Yes. So that's kind of like another thing, too. At the beginning of the podcast, we talked about how this is like a love child of Gloomhaven and Seventh Continent. But with a lot of the excess and the fluff taken out. So space exploration is very similar if you've played seventh continent you know that you'll start on a tile and you'll move in the four cardinal directions and each time you move into a cardinal direction you'll flip over a tile and you'll explore a new place and then there'll be a series of skill checks that you'll have to play cards from your hand to 
be able to discover clues and to solve the mission. I've only done one ground exploration mission. Same. And when I first did it, I was like, this is really boring. There's really not anything going on here. It actually felt really tacked on, especially since, mm-hmm. like, kind of like it was like a selling point to get people to buy the game. Yeah. But then it took a turn. It was like a, a yes. good movie. Is I, I describe it. I will, we are, we will not spoil this for anyone who's listening, but just the first space ground exploration mission, I went from saying, like, I can show you the text. I was like, this is stupid. Like, I, <laughs> like this is not fun at all. And then suddenly I was just like, Okay, this is pretty cool, and I'm now very excited to see what yeah. else that the game can do with ground exploration. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it made me really excited to see what, what other scenarios will pop up from it, because that, like you said, when I first got through the first three land points in the space station, I was like, this feels like Seventh Continent again, and yeah. I don't like Seventh Continent. Bo- more boring than Seventh Continent. Yeah, and then it just, then when you get to a certain point, it just went 0 to 60 real yeah. fast. Yeah, I was like, holy crap, am I going to... Are we are we gonna survive this? Like this is just the first intro ground exploration yeah. mission, and it actually felt kind very of tense. thematic oh, for very, very much so. for how kind of like abstracted yeah. what you're I doing. I just wish is. I had some minis for that scenario. Oh yeah, <laughs> man, this game would have been like three times the cost if yeah. we had any more minis. Yeah, but so going back to comparison about Seventh Continent, the game, the way Stars of Akarios creates tension and the mechanics for the ground exploration part is kind of like a management of your energy so in a solo game you get 10 energy and every turn you will burn one energy to be able to roll your dice the way the stars of Akarios manages this dice is that anytime you want to take an action you want to commit a certain amount of dice to it and try to roll it the way that the game creates tension here is that anytime you roll a stress dice and you use it, you'll gain stress. And as you reach more and more stress, you'll lose health. And if you lose health in this phase, pass out. You, you pass out. So it becomes a game of I have X amount of rounds, which is the energy that you start off with. In a solo game, you start off with 10. And for every additional player, you lose one energy. So you basically, in a one-player game, you have 10 rounds to explore the map and find the clues and do your mission. And in a four-player game, you have, what, six? Yeah, six. So you'll move from tile to tile, and it'll just be, it'll just say, okay, to move from tile one to tile two, you need one red result, which is an attack symbol on the dice. So if you want to commit one dice and you roll a move symbol, you obviously failed. You can't, you can't go to the next one so now it's kind of like a little bit of a not push your luck but mm-hmm. you kind of want to gamble to see how little you can do mm-hmm. because the game makes you feel like you need to commit as little dice as possible because you could roll the max number of dice allowed for every action but you're going to run out of rounds mm-hmm. so as the as you progress through the ground exploration mission you're like at least for me i felt that i was so like time crunch yeah like i was like I in the, the first couple actually i was rolling three dice to get yeah. through doors four dice to pass a strength check and, then, oh, no. and then at the end i was just like oh i'm running out of time uh-huh. it's like i'm gonna roll one dice to open this door and so be it you know yeah but um one of the cool aspects that comes into play with this ground exploration too is that your pilots have unique stats 
kind of like in uh, Arkham Horror games. Yeah. Every investigator has a certain default amount of stats that they can contribute to be able to pass skill checks. Mm-hmm. You know, like my character ha- was very strong and very smart, just like me. <laughs> and Johnny's character was very shifty very and well very physically weak oh, okay. and honestly not very smart either. So okay. he was. I'm playing a lady, <laughs> sir. Oh, in that case, they were way smarter than both of us. <laughs> but, you know, the little bit of asymmetry in the in the pilots kind of made it different. Uh-huh. In the scenario, in my, in my ground exploration scenario, I had strength. I had plus two strength to all my skill checks. So Which, you know what I did. Yeah. I was just like running. Well, I can relate to that because uh, I, well, my plan played out maybe similar to yours. You said you had two. I had a flat one, but I did an event that let me increase my strength by one. And oh, it, nice. And it paid off big time. Oh. And now I felt really good about it because that's the only reason I probably won that scenario with my character. Hmm. I didn't see that event come out. Because so. you don't have time to explore everything. Nope. So it's there's a time crunch. You kind of have to risk, figure out if you have enough dice action to do it and kind of plan a little bit. Yep. The first, uh, first three tiles, I was moving nice and slow. Mm-hmm. And then I remember doing this one skill check that gave me information on where my objective was. Mm-hmm. And then once I knew where the objective was, I was kind of counting the tiles and I was like, uh oh, I need to move seven tiles in the next six rounds. <laughs> what that am I going to really do? Cool when you find like, like it gives you that slow dripper information, you find a map and I thought it was really cool. Yeah. There was a genuine feeling of discovery, mm-hmm. like without getting too much information. Yeah. I did one test. I passed it and the game gave me information that mm-hmm. I used to solve the mission. And then as I was solving the mission, it threw a bunch of wrenches at me <laughs> and it got so exciting. Yeah. I didn't I I I liked Seventh Continent more than Johnny did. I don't did you even play it? I played I set up a demo game. That's as far as I got. And yeah. I was, after I finished the rules, I was like, this is not for me. I, I liked it. Yeah. I liked the survival mechanics. I liked the exploration. Mm-hmm. But the game was just too drawn out. It was too slow moving. Too, yeah, that was my problem with it. It was too it wasn't fiddly fiddly but it's fiddly enough where those little events where you have to do certain things and just little step extra steps you have to do to explore on top of the lengthy play just was a big turnoff for me in that game definitely karen and i played for three hours and yeah. we explored like maybe like 12 13 tiles mm-hmm. and then we died and <laughs> it was like okay what do we do now start over oh man are you serious yeah i got more excitement in this one 20, oh, yeah. 30 minute SpaceX ground exploration scenario than in the eight hours that I put into <laughs> Seventh Continent before I decided it wasn't for me. Yeah. So I guess the takeaway from this is if you like the idea of Seventh Continent, but when you played it and you said, I wish more was going on, I wish I didn't feel so like punished for dying and exploring, but you still want some kind of tension... Ground exploration was really good here. Yeah. I really enjoy. Really enjoyed to see it. What else happens? When I started it, I had, I honestly was just like, "This is tacked on. What a waste of time!" <laughs> yeah. And it totally blew my mind at the halfway point. Uh-huh. So I'm really like, I honestly am kind of more excited for the ground right. exploration than I am for space yeah. combat. So I'm really curious to see how the game will balance space combat. Like if I did five straight space combat missions, I'm probably ready for some ground exploration. But mm-hmm. it just depends on how the narrative will unfold. Plus, you know, space exploration opens up these things. So it's yeah. really cool to see how it, how it plays out. So Very Wrong About Games actually uh, talked a little bit about Stars of Icarios. And they said that 
the game forced them into a bunch of ground exploration missions mm -hmm. that they hated. They were that. just like, yeah, get me back into the space combat. But they also said that the missions let you choose where you want to go. Mm -hmm. You could stay in space or you could go down to the ground. Yeah. So I think that if either of these segments sounds good to you right now, the space combat or the ground exploration, you might be able to have a little bit of agency with where you want to spend your time, whether you want to spend it in space or on the ground. I think that's where that kind of tacked on space exploration comes into play. Because when you explore, you see if there's a planet in that sector. And if you don't want to visit the planet, don't visit the planet. Because if you visit a planet, chances are either you'll fight to get to the planet or you will explore the planet. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious as to see how the space exploration starts to tie in the two together. Mm -hmm. I'm optimistic that it will do something. But as of right now, space exploration is the weakest point yeah. of the game. But we it's went a prologue, so we yeah, know for sure. I literally spent five minutes doing space exploration mm -hmm. in the yeah. pro in the first what six missions in the prologue. Yeah. So, all right, let's go into final thoughts. Johnny, you want to go first? Um, so far, I'm the one that kind of started the ball rolling on this game. I would say you did, so, and then it just came out. This game came out of nowhere for me, to be honest. I didn't know it was kickstarted. What? In, 2020, spring 2021 or I, I remember looking at this game when it first came on Kickstarter and I was just like wow this looks so great and then it was like Gloomhaven plus 7th Con I was like and you were in that yeah time, not for me yeah. not right no, now I knew nothing going into this game I just saw it shot up to number one of BGG I read some reviews and the thing that caught my eye was this, this game plays good solo um, or at lower play counts, plus it is a narrative choose-your-own-adventure game, but more streamlined. And then they said set up, you know, a whole scenario set up, play, tear down to, set up to tear down was under an hour. And I was like, I got to try this because it sounds like, you know, they described it similar to Gloomhaven meets Seven Continent with a little bit of Tainted Grill. I'm not sure about the Tainted Grill comparison because the narrative of this game isn't the most engaging. Yeah, um, but it's, 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 it's very it's, typical sci-fi tropes. Yeah, which I'm fine with. It just gives me a little thing to, to read some flavor text. Um, so that, that got my attention, and I've loved this game so much uh, right now. I don't want to give it a 10 yet because it's a campaign game, and I don't know if I'll finish it to get the full experience. But for my first impression, it's a solid 9. I play it almost daily right now. Um, I think yesterday was the first time in like five straight days I didn't play it because it's so easy to get to the table, and it's really enjoyable. It gives me all those, the same feelings I get from those, those um, games like Gloomhaven, tactical games that I want in a short condensed time um, time frame that's something that we kind of forgot to mention too each session that you play i think the longest one i had was 30 minutes yeah almost like 40 minutes yeah it's like you can play this game in little bites like if you were to leave it set up somewhere you could easily sit down 30 minutes play one scenario and then just walk away come back later and just go to the next one yeah. and even if you had to tear it down and set it up so it's really know. not that bad. Yeah. The organizer, eh, functional. it's functional, yeah. but they do. They did put a lot of thought into where things are stored together mm -hmm. that actually made setup quite easy. Yeah. The, honestly, the hardest part about setup is just finding the enemy ship decks, mm -hmm. shuffling them, and then that's it. That's yeah. really the hardest part. For me, I'm close to a 9. I, if I had to give it a number, I would say 8.5. I love everything about the space combat and the ground exploration so far. The space exploration, you know, it's... I don't look forward to it. Yeah, yeah. I don't look forward to it. I'm hoping that 
something cool will develop from it. It'll tie together. But honestly, it kind of just feels like the overworld map where you're going from location to location. Yeah. And then you decide it's like, oh, you know, I'll venture into this cave here and see if I can, you know, yeah. muster up some free credits or some XP or something. But the combat and the ground exploration itself, if like as those two main parts of the game, fantastic. Super fun. This is exactly what the depth I wanted from Gloomhaven. This is the exact amount of tactical thinky combat that I want. Honestly, if the combat was even as much as like a step or a half step above where it is now, I might be more annoyed playing it than I am. The, yeah. Right now, it's just very it's enjoyable. Like it's just, I feel like I'm a pilot learning my, how to pilot my ship. Mm -hmm. I look forward to playing this game every day. Packing on your honeymoon. Oh gosh, I wish. I if the box wasn't the size of a whole suitcase, <laughs> trust me, yeah, I it's, would. It's about the same size as the Gloomhaven box. <laughs> I know. And then when we got to the ground exploration, that surprised me. Like what they were able to do with just the first scenario. I was just like I, I had no idea it was coming. Uh -huh. And it only gives me optimism that the game will continue to surprise me. Yeah, that's a hook. And throw things more interesting things at me. The only downsides that I can really see so far, one, I do feel that for me, I think that I will reach a point where I'm gonna crave some variety with the weapons and mm -hmm. the uh, engines. Maybe yeah. less so with the engines because yeah. movement is, it's important, but it's not as satisfying as having a hand of like fun attacks that you can yeah, do. Yeah, yeah. So you this know? game is not as it's not as tactically in-depth as a Gloomhaven on, on, on well that's not the right word it's not as it doesn't have as much depth as the heavier games because uh you're just it's more streamlined so you have a little bit less things to consider mm -hmm. it it feels like so you can find an optimal pattern yeah that's the that's that's a good way to describe it the game makes me feel like i am looking for the best position to get my one or two attacks off the game is not trying to give me a big bag of tools for every scenario. Mm -hmm. It's giving me two tools that I can use for every scenario. I just need to figure out how to use it. And it's a different puzzle. As of right now, I have no issues with it. But if you had to say, like, you know, what don't you like about this? That would be the biggest thing for me so far. And also, the way that the organizer... Even though it does a good job of putting stuff where it needs to be, they could have done a way better job with the way the cubes are being stored in the oh, sparrow yeah, tray. Yeah. Like, I'm constantly fishing out cubes. There are cubes everywhere. Yeah, if you have big hands, you oh, might my goodness. be very irritated with this cube. Yeah, that, but that's, that's, a, that's a me issue. Right. Like, these sausage fingers just fingers cannot just get these hands. cubes out. Yeah. But other than that, really enjoying Stars of Icarus, you know? Yeah. Like, we've talked about how... We both got into solo gaming a lot more this past year than we had before. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I have a couple of, like, the really big ones, like Final Girl, and I have uh, Imperium Classics and Legends, like, really, really popular solo games. And right now, Stars of Icarus is head and shoulders above both of those. Mm -hmm. It's so fun. I, I would... I would I fully intend on finishing this campaign, Ooh. which is crazy because I never thought of myself yeah. as a solo gamer. Uh -huh. And two, like 
I also would never consider finishing a hundred plus mission campaign yeah. by myself, but yeah. I want to do this. Yeah. But we'll see. We'll Maybe see. after another 10, 20 plays, mm-hmm. who knows? How much more stuff could they introduce to keep it fresh? Yeah. You know? Because it's only got so many cards in the, in the game box. Exactly. Sooner or later, it's just going to be Space Combat Simulation 1, Space Combat Simulation 2, mm-hmm. and then we'll see if the game starts to drag in the middle point. But as of right now, mm-hmm. If you're looking for Gloomhaven light, if you're looking for Seventh Continent light, this is it. This yeah. is the one. It'll replace both of those games. <laughs> Did for me. Yeah, for me too. I like I said, eight hours into Seventh Continent, threw it away. About 10, 12 hours into Gloomhaven, threw it away. Just it was too much for me to want to maintain. Mm-hmm. And this hits the sweet spot. Yeah. Doesn't feel like work when you play. But other than that. Anything else you want to add? No, uh, I highly recommend giving this game at least a look, look see, especially if they do another Kickstarter or just kind of looking at it, or someone in your group has it, you can try it too. Oh yeah, for sure. I it's a it's a it's a pricey game. Oh, you know what? I do have something. I this might be a hot take, but I think that this game is best solo. I don't think I have like so. You bought this game thinking you were gonna play with me, and I told you I was like, oh, you should play this with me. And you said, no, I'm going to play it with someone else. And I was like, fine, then. I'll get my own copy. <laughs> I was copy. joking. I, well, too bad. It hurt my feelings. <laughs> so I got my own copy. Uh-huh. But now, having played it, I actually think that if we were in a vacuum, I would probably say, you know what, Johnny? I think I'd rather just play this solo. Yeah. It's nice playing this one solo because you just have your five actions when you do space combat and, and ground combat. And just... The rounds go so fast, but I've played it multiplayer once already, mm-hmm. and it maybe add another 10 minutes to the game. So the thing uh, with multiplayer for this game is I don't feel that adds I would benefit from having a second person mm-hmm. because the way the game scales for multiplayer is more enemies are out there. Yeah. So what you're doing on your turn is more or less the same mm-hmm. because the game doesn't give you a ton of ways to help your ally you know you might be able to repair their ship for them yeah they might be able to like push an enemy into your blasting range and save Mm -hmm. you some dice but given the scale of the board of the amount of room that you have and how tight it can be with the way the obstacles are set up i i just don't see it like i don't see a situation where i'm just like all right johnny i need you to push this guy into here I'll use my ability to pull them another yeah. space, and then you can come up behind them and blast them. Right. Like, this, the map is too big. And looking at the way that multiplayer games are set up, it's just, there's just too much room for us to really be working together. So, I played multiplayer, and it's actually not that, that bad. Like, well, the problems you say can't arise, but just from playing, because it was a, my first multiplayer game, we just did the intro scenario. There's more enemies, but it was really cool setting up attacks for, with each other. Like, hey, I'm going to work on this guy, but it's not. I'm going to shift over here, and I'm going to draw his fire, and then it sets up my buddy for an advantage attack or positioning. Mm-hmm. I thought the table talk was really good with that, too. Really? Because it feels like you're just two pilots working together. I'm a Maverick man. and Goose. <laughs> Wait, are you Maverick or Goose? I don't know. All right, how about you? How about I'll be Goose, you be Goose's <laughs> son? <laughs> I haven't seen Top Gun 2 yet, so... Me neither, actually. <laughs> but, but yeah, it, it's cool. And but the cool thing about this game that we, we didn't talk about either is that it comes with an app that helps you re- the narrative reads through the scenario and helps you with setup a little bit. But also has a creator kit where 
fan-made content can be made. So you can actually put some standalone fighter missions and everything like oh, that. Oh, dude, you totally... Okay, so one of the things that I read about this game that Johnny just reminded me of that I am most excited for, I am totally fine with doing this campaign by myself. Like, mm-hmm. I'm willing to try it multiplayer. It'd be more efficient doing it by yourself, yeah, too. Yeah, I want to try a multiplayer just to see. Yeah. But knowing, like, how many games we are trying to play and record, like, we're never going to finish yeah. it. But this game... I've read, and I can't confirm this because I haven't gotten far enough yet, is that there's a system in this game called Raids. And supposedly, you're, I'm able to take my ship mm-hmm. with my loadout to like Johnny's house. He takes his ship, and they set up a scenario where we just go and fight. And it's just like, it's mm. independent of the campaign. It's independent of the creative mission. It's like an Arkham Horror standalone scenario. Kind of, how yeah. Like. And I... I don't know if this has been... Is it fan-made content or is it... I don't know. Okay. I, I remember reading about this yeah. so clearly because I, like, unless I'm totally mixing up the games, I remember something along the lines of the raid content is where you're going to get, like, the best gear possible. Mm-hmm. And it's the hardest content in the game. Yeah. And I have no idea where this is coming from. That sounds from. amazing. I... I really hope I didn't make it up because honestly, I'm going to be a little bummed out. I'm so hyped just hearing it. It's like, oh, we finished the campaign. I have this fully loaded ship. And you're like, what do we do now? I don't know. They have these like escalating tiers of raids that may be in the app or maybe a DL, not DLC, but like, you know, PDFs on stuff. Dude, that's not, that would, I mean, it's possible. If you think about the fan made scenarios, that's exactly what it could be. Right. But that's pretty much it for Stars of Akarios. Yep. And it's going to probably segue pretty nicely into a talk about accessibility. So one of the things that we alluded to early in the podcast was this game is a more accessible Gloomhaven Mm -hmm. and honestly a more accessible Seventh Continent. Mm -hmm. So the first thing I want to ask you, Johnny, is how would you define accessibility? Um, How I would define it is... If the game takes a lot of the overhead with you know similar games and cuts out some of the bloat maybe reduces the play time uh maybe cuts one or two mechanics that weren't necessary or and it just makes the game just flow a lot better usually that, that ties into the making the the play time a little bit shorter and everything too would you i mean it's pretty safe to say that stars of Icarios is much more accessible than gloomhaven 100 yeah. percent. so let me ask you then what makes Gloomhaven so inaccessible that Stars succeeds in? So what makes it much more accessible from the plays that I've done so far is the setup is much more streamlined because you just have it just lays out the book and there's a lot less components. There's not really too many extra terrains. Something to mention about that is that Gloomhaven has modular tiles, yes. which is great for variety. I forgot about the tiles in Gloomhaven. Yeah, but man, I remember fishing those things out and trying to build the map would take as long yeah. to set up an entire game of stars. Right. Stars Literally. is a flat, like, what, 16 by 16 hex grid. Something like that. Yeah, and it has two sides. I haven't, I haven't tried the other side, but it's still just very easy to set up. You just count your hexes, you set them up. Super mm-hmm. easy. And, of course, that comes at a cost of thematic integration. Mm-hmm. It's not yeah. as thematic, but right. also... The game is set in space. Like, how much really are you, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. how thematic can it be to be right. in space other than just a big void of movement? Yeah. And accessibility means, this isn't always a bad thing, because it, usually it means reducing a little bit of variety, but sometimes there's such a thing as too much variety. Like, Gloomhaven is an example, and I can think of countless Kickstarters that I've played where, or backed, and I'm like, 
why did I buy these expansions? I do not need these extra mechanics. I'm looking at almost 15 boxes of Marvel United in Johnny's game room right it's now. It's actually our sound screen. So <laughs> that's the only reason I have it. So to me, accessibility is the amount of time that you need to put into a game to get it going. Okay. And to me, it's not necessarily about rules or mm -hmm. overhead or fiddliness because as a thematic gamer i really love games that are rich with theme and those kind of games usually come with a lot of rules that reflect how a real life situation would play out inside the confines of this game mm -hmm. you know especially like a game like nemesis every room has its own unique function and action and if you took all of that away you lose a lot of what makes Nemesis interesting because now you're just moving around a board, which is what you do anyway. But yeah. now when you go to a room to set the self-destruct or a room to turn on the escape pods, a room to get in the escape pods, mm -hmm. that's where the game is, you know? And if you took a lot of those onesie, twosie rules away, it wouldn't feel as good. So for a game like Stars. I consider it so accessible because they gave me all the things that I needed in a very easy to digest way. There's a lot of rules, you know, you got to know how the movement works, the running the enemy AI, mm -hmm. but just like stripping away little bits and pieces that Gloomhaven had to deal with makes things so much better. Even something as simple as like, the little health squares from Gloomhaven. You remember those? Yes. Those little pockets that you put the enemy cards in. Yep, yep. And it would just tell you like, oh, this is what their health is. This is mm -hmm. what their attack is. Like me thinking about just referencing these charts to see how much this ogre hits me for sounds so stupid. Versus in stars, all you do is just you literally read the command line. It tells you how much bonus damage it gives, add it to the ship's base damage, flip over a modifier card, you're right. done. There's no crazy like multipliers, there's no anything you have to look into. And these are the little things that makes games like Stars of Icario so accessible. Mm -hmm. It's not that the rules are light, it's not that it's not thematically integrated, it's just they cut out a lot of the fluff. And yeah. that fluff that is just more things that you have to keep up with, more things that you have to interact with, like physically yeah. interact with, yeah. with your hands. And I, I think the designer touches on that, one of his designer diaries. Oh. His goal for this game was to make to minimize the amount of tokens because he, he's obviously a Gloomhaven fan. Um, so I read one of his diaries and he said, like, I want this game to, I don't want you have to manage so many tokens. That was one of the big um, disadvantages to Gloomhaven for me too. You got to manage all these stun effects, oh, these yes. tokens, and you have to remember when to turn off. In Stars of Icarus, the enemy, each enemy um, board has a slot for those effects. All you do is put a cube on it, a red cube on it, and then you just know to take off next turn. Yep. Because during upkeep, you just check. You're like, okay, because the enemies go after you, you're going to apply effects to them on your turn, and then it's enemy's turn. You put the effects, and you know during upkeep, hey, that has a red cube, just take it off. Do you don't, because you don't, those tokens don't get lost in the shuffle, because when you're in Gloomhaven, a four-player scenario, you could have like 20 tokens on the board, <laughs> and you have traps, you have everything, and uh, it looks, it doesn't look that cool to me at that point, because I can't even tell what's going on anymore. Do you remember the element track in Gloomhaven? Oh my How God. every turn, an element degrades, yes. and then you have to keep track of when you have it. Like, I get it. 
those are the kind of things that gives these mega minds like something to calculate more info for them to work with mm -hmm. but for me in my busy life and All wanting to yeah and wanting to put the effort into playing this game solo like Get rid of all of that. I yeah. don't want to sit there. No more tokens. No, no more, tokens. more tokens. Please. Give me apps. <laughs> Actually, no. This game would not have been... That's good. That's just yeah. Like, I, I, but just managing statuses with just a simple cube. Genius. Like, I've never thought of that for a game, but now I want it for all my games. Yeah. It's it's on your player board. It's on the enemy board. You There's an ability called targeted, and basically it just gives you an advantage against someone. And advantage, all it is is draw two cards, pick the one you want. Usually the best one or the worst one if the enemy is attacking you. So simple. Because if you have it, put a cube in your targeted spot. Now you know. Anytime you look down at your health, it's right there. Hey, I'm targeted. I better draw two cards. Yeah. Same thing with the enemy. Anytime you're ready to attack the enemy and you want to see how much health this has, right next to it, red cube has targeted debuff on it. So easy. Yeah. So great. But these are the kind of things that I wish more games would do, you know? Mm -hmm. We talked about Bloodborne just a couple of days ago and how streamlined that is. Yeah. And we also called it a Gloomhaven Light. Yeah. I mean, Bloodborne in comparison to Stars is way more stripped down yeah. because there's no tactical movement. Mm -hmm. There's a lot less, you know. Yeah, each hex, the yeah. each movement space has three movement spaces on it. Mm -hmm. It's very straightforward. And... But it distills down the things that you want, you know? These are different experiences, for yeah, sure. Accessibility, like, they pick, you know, from those overarching big, big games. They have so many mechanics, so many things going on. The games with accessibility streamline by taking the, the three best mechanics from those games versus the ten that, that's all incorporated, and they just refine it, refine it. And it sometimes it's too refined, which I guess we can talk about in a little second. Like, when when is a game too streamlined? Mm -hmm. Um but sometimes the game like Stars, where it just walks that fine balance of just streamlining just enough to make it very, like you said, 80% of the fun of Gloomhaven in less time. So And it hits all the right notes from there. It honestly feels like Brendan McCaskill said, hmm, I'm going to design Gloomhaven for a bunch of mid-30-year-olds that are just <laughs> yeah. young professionals and starting families. Or all part of the cult of the new. Yeah, like, how can I give them this meaty gaming experience without them having to quit their jobs or lose yeah, their wives? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, honestly, to me, this is a triumph of finding that sweet spot uh -huh. and just nailing it yeah. and just... Like, this is exactly the depth that I want from a game like mm -hmm. this. And I think a lot of my enjoyment comes from that because I think that if it was heavier, I'm not going to play it. And if it's lighter, it's not worth the effort to get out, to set up, and play it, and just mindlessly yep. go through it. Yep. This is a triumph in design. Like, I, if for any reason alone, like, if you're a diehard Gloomhaven fan and you just, like, I want more Gloomhaven, you're not going to like this. Get Frosthaven. It's, yeah, get Frosthaven. This is not targeted <laughs> yeah. towards you. This is a game for guys like me and Johnny who just, we love to game, but we have other hobbies. We have families. You know, We have jobs and careers that we have to manage. Like yeah. Everyone does. The extent of how much you have to do is different per person. You might have more time than I do, but I know how much time I have, and Stars of Icarios is the exact thing that I would want from a especially a solo dungeon crawler campaign type yeah. game there's only 52 weeks in a year and a campaign game like gloomhaven or any of those big ones 
you're if you're not playing it solo, you're playing with a group, you're asking, you're looking at at least a month's worth, months worth of playtime. Like, months? I was gonna say years. <laughs> well, Gloomhaven. Let's see, we got through seventy-five percent of it in about three months. That's insane. Yeah, but well, that's mean, like twice a week, and you know that I applaud and am jealous of someone that has a group that can meet twice a week and play lengthy games like that. Because if I had the time, and you know, because I'm I'm at fault too, because I have things I have to do. But if I had a group like that where I could do Gloomhaven twice a week, time wasn't an issue, didn't have to put the baby down, then yeah, like maybe I would gravitate more towards those games. But Stars fits that niche right now where. I can get a game set up and played while my wife puts the kid down when it's her turn. That's, yeah. that's how, and that's how I know it was a good, great fit for me. If you had unlimited time, would you still play Stars? Yeah. Yeah? Uh, 100%. See, that's a testament right there because if time wasn't a factor and you still want to play this game, that means there's enough, there's enough depth in there for you to mm -hmm. actually explore yeah. the mechanics. So you were asking me what game I thought was too streamlined? Yeah, what are the times when it's, uh, it's too streamlined? Ooh. I think it's a more common problem with Euro-based games. Oh, yeah, then I have no I have no background to draw from. <laughs> no body of yeah. work at all here. Yeah, well, because, you know, but, the, but there's a place for it. Sometimes it, what feels too streamlined for me is maybe the perfect family weight game for, for another family, you know? Is there a difference between streamlined and gateway games then? Because I don't feel that it's necessarily right to lump gateway games and family right. games with yeah. streamlined. Like to me, a too streamlined game would be something kind of like, oh man, I don't know. It's like if you stripped away enough of a game where it doesn't feel like a game anymore, mm -hmm. I think that's when a game is too streamlined because you want to be able to have the space to make great decisions. Yeah. And if that space is taken away from you, there's no game there anymore. It's mm -hmm. just a simulation. Yeah. And I think, you know what? I got it. This is the example. My comparison of Wonderland's War to Quacks of Quedlinburg. Okay. Without the tea party phase, Wonderland's War would be so boring for me. Uh -huh. Because otherwise, it's just quacks. It'd be quacks, but with even less things to do. And quacks is a family weight game. Yeah. It's not designed to be a heavy strategic experience. Mm -hmm. But if you were to, say, strip down Wonderland's War into just that game, the bag pulling, the uh, bag building, mm -hmm. and the token pulling, that would be very unsatisfying for me. And that's the best example I could think of where, like, the amount of weight yeah. from wonderland's war if you took a lot of it away it's just gonna end up with a game that i'm not interested in yeah i can see that but that's a that's an interesting question i wish you had asked me I, this thing, morning so i could have some time to think about this the one game i can think of that that i thought was too streamlined for me is pendulum from stonemeyer games never played it so it's a so i played zulkin and pendulum tries to incorporate that time mechanic into it and it's a great production with like all Stonemaier games, but the actions just, the flow of the game just felt like I was just going through the motions in it. Like I understand the concept of the time, but it ended up being too abstract for me and my wife. And we played it three times, well, two and a half times because we just didn't want to finish that third game because it just wasn't for us. Because we just felt like it was, there's other games that gave you that worker placement, real time feel or placing things around or like, you know, other real time games like a uh, kitchen rush and things like that even those felt like they had a little bit more going on 
for me at least, compared to Pendulum, where you're just converting resources in a real time, mm -hmm. um, real time environment. Would you say that the more streamlined a game gets, the more abstract it becomes? Possible. Because I'm thinking about us talking about Bloodborne and depends on the theme too. Yeah. And playing Stars. Stars has a lot more overhead over it yeah. versus Bloodborne. But in our Bloodborne review, we talked about how the combat felt more abstract mm -hmm. because they took away positioning, yeah. targeting, attack range, line of sight. They took away all of that. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of like an example of you took a very tactical combat game, streamlined away all the positional stuff and made it purely just saying move, attack. I mean, you know, well, there's a lot of stuff we like about Gloom. Uh, Bloodborne, yeah, but they took away so much stuff that it feels more abstract to me than say stars. It does, does definitely feel more abstract compared to stars or other tactical games, but I think they fill in that void with the attack speed and the mm -hmm. variable abilities and flipping. And they give you enough and that decision space for setting up attacks still, where you still have fun making your attacks. You know, you don't feel like you're setting up for this crazy spell or you big combos or anything like that. Mm -hmm. But it's like these little little micro hits of just being enjoyable, setting up these little feel-good moments still. Yeah, so I wonder if it means that the... It's a balance. Yeah, the streamline is not... We're looking at streamline as in removing rules, but I feel like the narrative now is like streamlining takes a game that is theoretically let's say a five weight, like a BGG mm -hmm. scale of five. Yeah. And you streamline it down to the weight of the targeted demographic that you want to tar like you want mm -hmm. to play. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that there's a way to say good or bad in regarding of too much streamlining or not enough yeah. streamlining it. Like you picture, you know, Gloomhaven's, you know, like a four something. Yeah. And they streamlined out a bunch of stuff and you ended up with stars, which is like a three something. Mm -hmm. And then you streamline it away some more and you end up with Bloodborne, which is like a two something. Yeah. So now you're just going to streamline it all the way down to a, a one and now you're just playing war with a deck of cards. I guess if you distill any game, it's just kind of back down to chess or something at that point. Well, chess is more complex than that. Yeah. Well, checkers. Ch checkers. Okay. Yeah. Streamline chess down to checkers. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, I. You know, for us, accessibility is key. Yeah. And I noticed that in our own collections that over the last year or two years... We have been streamlining years, our collections. Yep. <laughs> so much. Like, yeah. we... I'm looking for games that set up quickly. They don't have to play quickly. It's mm -hmm. a perk. But the least amount of rules, ambiguities as possible, mm -hmm. but still providing a good depth of experience. Yeah. Those are the kind of games that are just right in our wheelhouse right yeah, now i think with accessibility too it's just that rule set you know if you're offering me a 50 page rule book and it's you know size is 11 print all throughout <laughs> oof, well like i don't uh, know like i already know that game's not accessible for me did you know blood on the clock tower has like a 44 page rule book it'll be it'll look good on yourself as a collector's <laughs> item it actually does look really it good does, on the shelf it looks so stands, good on the yeah. shelf but yeah when i see like a rule book that has you know it's 20, 25 pages, but half of its examples. I'm like, that looks accessible to me. Speaking of rule books, uh, just one more plug for Stars of Icarios before we sign off for the day. The rule book, while not the greatest, not the most thorough, not the most thorough, but the game does such a good job of throwing you right into the action, mm -hmm. teaching you to play as you go. And I wish that more games would do it like this. Yeah. Because, like, I didn't read the rule book going into it. I literally just started, 
it guided me through the setup and it's like, okay, we're going to teach you how to do space combat. And it's like, read these five pages and then now set it up and go. And you're just like, it's bite size. Yeah. Okay. And then now we'll introduce you space exploration. Uh-huh. Now we'll introduce upgrades. Now we'll introduce ground exploration. And you're just like, wow, I played six games. I learned the rules and it didn't even feel like I actually felt very organic. Yeah. It was like someone taught me how to play. I hate learning a new game nowadays because there's just so many games and I get mechanics blurred together or I miss one crucial text and it changes how the game plays, which mm-hmm. house rules if you listen to that episode. Yeah. Um, yeah, so like the game does a good job of like giving you direction but not like fully hand-holding it to you. So that's another balancing because some rule books are like they'll set you up step by step, take this turn, do your turn like this. This game doesn't do that. It just tells you go this, set it up, and if you have problems, look at these pages. Mm-hmm. Well, that's about it for today. Uh, I will be going on my honeymoon this Friday. Finally. Finally. And I will be gone for 10 days. And you guys can look forward to a solo Johnny episode. We'll see. Maybe featuring a special guest. Yep. To be named. To be named. But um, as soon as we get back, we're going to hit it hard because we got a lot of games we want to play. Yeah. And now that the rush of wedding season and honeymoon and work and all that stuff. We're in the coasting period a little yeah bit. we're about to coast and it's gonna be great i can't wait but as always thank you everyone for listening you can find us on instagram and twitter at one shit wonder i don't know why i say this because we have yet to receive any kind of emails or messages on either platforms All right and our gmail is one shit wonder at gmail.com thank you guys Hit us up. as always bye bye